Hey, everybody. My name is Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. The podcast that walks through all the early adventures of the Marvel Universe. And this is episode 21 of the show. We are in the middle of, what is it, March? March 1963. What do you mean early early, uh, issues of the Marvel Universe? We're covering every issue of the Marvel Universe. Yes. We're just starting with the early ones. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we get and, to the middle, um, we'll be we'll be covering every middle issue of the Marvel Universe. Right. Well, back when I was doing Golden Age Superman, and I was actually making some progress at a reasonable clip, um, like in the early in the early episodes, they're like, "What's going to happen when you get to the Silver Age?" And I was like, "Well, you know, alchemy gold can become silver. It'll be Silver Age Superman podcast." Yeah. Um, but obviously, that never happened. So well, you're we still alive. Are, I am still alive. I can always go back to it, but I won't. We are in. Um, we finished the first week of March last episode with the debut of the Wonderful Wasp and mm-hmm. of Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos. Yeah. And a little and, Thor. And a little Thor. <laughs> and tonight we're going to continue on with, um, I think we have Strange Tales 109 as our first comic. Yep. And that's all you, brother. Oh, no, it's not, is it? It is, too. Okay. Because um, I did uh, Ant-Man and Wasp. So that ended the last episode. So you get to kick us off with an awesome um, Human Torch story. All right. Well, um, (laughs) all right then. So that's how you want to play it. I can see how you are. I I definitely want to play it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Strange Tales 109. Uh, Probably hit your newsstands somewhere around March 12th of 1963. And on the cover, we have the torch... Um, surrounded by several different smoke monsters. One of them looks like the green booger monster from the wasp episode. Um, and then some other just really weird creatures. And they're all coming out. If you follow their smoke trails down in the teeny tiny bottom corner of the cover is a dude with a box and they're all flying out. And this is called imps from Pandora's box. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Um, (laughs) if you, the inside, the cover, the splash page has a title, the sorcerer and, Pandora's box. Okay. Um, it's been a while. Let me think. I think we started off with a scene with the torch and the fantastic four. They mm-hmm. were just kind of hanging out and they were going to go do a mission without him. Oh yeah. He just came back from high school. Just got to a school for the day. Florida fantastic four headquarters. Yo peeps. What's up? They're like, Oh, we were, uh, we were going to go do a mission. You're, you're home early. Aren't you? We, we thought we'd be gone by the time you got here. He's like, no, no, I, I can come. I, I can be part of the Fantastic Four. And they're like, no, no, you stay here, Torch. We're going to, we're going to go. So, um, or something along those lines. So they, uh, they kind of tick him off and he decides to go fly away and, um, be the Torch. He does some torchy things. Um, somewhere along the lines, he comes across this house. It's like, like, like the psycho house <laughs> up on the hill. Um, and, uh, what's his name? Who's the guy in psycho? Bates. Uh, Norman. Yeah. Norman Bates. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like Norman Bates comes out with, um, with these dogs. And it's not Norman Bates. It's more like, more like Mo from the three stooges. But like after he's gone bald on top, he just has the side Mo hair and he has these three big dogs. And evidently these kids were just walking by and he's like, get off my lawn. And Torch is like, dude, you know that everyone hates you, right? You could be nicer. They call you the sorcerer because you live up here all by yourself and you're annoying. And you know what? Just just, just do something with your dogs. Just put them inside. So the guy takes his dogs and puts them in this. They're these, they're these big old dogs, right? Like larger than my children. And he puts three of them all together in this one tiny cage. And it is not cool. It's dog abuse. And we're going to report him. Um... So the torch is like, fine, whatever. You took care of your dogs. I'm, I'm going to leave. And um, after he leaves, the guy's like, you know what, though? I can get my revenge on him for making me feel like a, like a dope. I can go get Pandora's box. You know, the legend says that something, something happened to it. But oh, no, actually, I've got it. Um, oh, oh, here's the other thing. You know, the legend is that Pandora opened this box and released all the evils but you know what happened? They actually put all the evils back in that box, and I've got the box now with all the evils in it. That was after the credits. Yeah, which we're going to talk about that, because that kind of ruins the entire point of the myth. But, you know, whatever. We're going to keep on going. 
Um, so then he just goes around like terrorizing people with these with these evils. They're the stupidest evils ever. Um, they're not like murder and lust and sloth. They're like cold and tornado <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> so um, uh, he he robs some banks. He does some stuff, and the torch finds out, and eventually the torch goes after him. Um, he releases a flood, which douses the torch fire. And then, um, I forget what he does. He does something to, like, turn the tables on the guy so that, I don't know if the evil's going to attack him. I don't know. I forget how he gets the guy to turn the box off. But he eventually puts the guy in a ring of fire, and the cops come and get him. And there he goes back to the Fantastic Four, and he's like, see, I can do this whole job all by myself. Y'all pretty impressed now, aren't you? And they're like, sure, Johnny. <laughs> you're you're great in the end. Yeah, so essentially the cops show up and kind of distract the dude from killing Johnny right away. And uh, so while he's distracted, Johnny is able to build up enough fire again. And he says, you know, if you're going to kill me, may, may, I have, may I make a request? And the guy's like, sure, of course, because, you know, I'm going to kill you. So go ahead. What's your request? Can you kill me with the same thing that made me a hero? Can you kill me with fire? So he shoots a fire out and of course johnny can like you know consume fire so then he like punches the guy but not before not before the guy is also trying to get out an imp of uh fear so the guy gets affected by the fear and he's going to be afraid forever or something like that i don't know how that worked it's kind of weird it is it is weird um this guy is described as the master of black magic and i know that dr strange the other master of black magic is coming next issue yeah so i feel like we have like the wrong way and the right way to do this concept. Yeah. Well, he's not really the master of anything. Cause he doesn't do magic. He does. I, I don't even know why he's called the sorcerer. Like he's yeah. called the sorcerer for the same reason that women were called witches is because they like to live alone and they're cr- and they're cranky. Like if you gave me a gun and if I shoot the gun, like a ghost comes out, that doesn't mean I'm the sorcerer. That means you gave me a gun that has a magic power, you know, like who yeah. cares? Um, but I, yeah, I was thinking, before I read it and just read the title, I was like, oh, is this like our first magic character? Because, you know, yeah, we have Thor and his entire people are all technically magic, but that's also Asgard. So in a way, it's just like, you know, once removed from humanity. And then I thought, well, okay, I don't think we have because everybody else that I could think of is kind of science based. Um, even that stupid, silly painter guy was supposed to be an alien weapon of some kind. Right, right. So, but then it turns out he's not a sorcerer anyway. So who cares, I guess. Speaking of the magic and everything, this is Pandora's box. Now, Mm -hmm. the whole idea of the story of Pandora's box, it's a classic myth for the classic purpose of explaining some aspect of the human experience or the world around us. Mm -hmm. Where did evil come from? Well, you know what? There was this girl one time and she found a box and they told her not to open it and she did and all the evil came out. And that's where that's why we're evil. That's why people do evil things. And that's and that's why you should listen to your parents. Right. Yeah. But if you if you then have the sequel to the story but oh no, one year later they put all the evil back in the box and yeah. hid it in the closet. Yeah. It ruins the entire point of the story. Pretty much, yeah. And it's also pretty weird that the guy just has it. But I guess he like studies this stuff for a living or something. Yeah, I mean it would be Maybe slightly less weird if there was something about him going to Greece and... Yeah, so that reminds me also, didn't we have something where we covered Greece already? Or Greek mythology already? Or no? Or am I just imagining I that? No. Okay. I mean, Circe shows up in this. I feel like we've said Circe on the show before, but I don't remember when. Because, you know, we've established that North, Norse uh, mythology is real. So I guess apparently now we're officially making Greek mythology real because he has Pandora's box. At least elements of it, yeah. At least and elements of it, yeah. Theoretically, Circe is the reason all the elements are back in the box. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Unless it's all just a story and actually Heimdall did it one day. I guess that's true too. I mean, you, they could have they could have established that some of these gods have played multiple roles for multiple cultures, but they I guess decide later that no, every every mythology has existed and is real, and we're going to make a character for it. And I think Marvel eventually does land in that area. They actually come down to the idea that all of the different pantheons ex- coexist mm-hmm. and they service their peoples and they, you know, right. I mean, I think anyone historically in real world speaking, I think if you asked any one people about their gods, those would be the gods of the entire world. 
not just it's like it's not that Thor is the god of thunder for us Norse people. Right. Thor right, right. is the god of thunder for the world. Right. And most of these mythological elements all have the same kind of god types. So, like I said, they could have had like this one guy who calls himself this, but you know, when he was in Greece, they called me this. When when I was you know over here, they called me that or that. But instead, they actually did the literal. No, there's Thor, and then there's Hercules. Mm-hmm. Right. But uh, oh yeah, because we are going to get Hercules. Uh huh. That's going to be get- an actual thing. So we are we are going to get. I think that's the next pantheon that gets to becomes explicitly real is the Greeks because we are going to get Hercules and all of the people that come with him. Mm-hmm. So they're they're hinting at that already. That's going to be a long time from now. Yeah, uh, we don't have to take it with with you know too much to heart because it's you know obviously just a throwaway story. <laughs> um, just a couple things. I did actually really like the opening scene Moby because too. I feel like one thing we never get in the Fantastic Four is to see how they come together on any given day. Uh-huh. Uh huh. At least not since the first issue. So seeing the torch fly in after school is kind of neat. And and, and uh, their bantering is very clever here. Yeah, uh, it was good fun. It actually made me you know. Happy to it's read it. So actually, that's probably Lee the best Kirby part. Fantastic Four or yeah. a Bernstein Kirby Fantastic Four <laughs> scene written in a Torch comic. Yeah, Bernstein's really good at the dialogue here, and and Kirby's on fire. He's back, by the way. Was he not in the last issue? Or I think Kirby's has been with a Torch. Okay, I'm getting confused he's, as to when Kirby's around and not around anymore. But and he's going to be in. He's he was in Ant Man and the Wasp for like one issue. Yeah, but then he's and gone he's gonna, again. Yeah, he's going to be in our next Thor issue for one issue, but then he's going to be gone again. So yeah. he's just doing random stuff here and there. He doesn't really have any runs going aside from Fantastic Four, the I wonder, Torch, and Sergeant Fury. I wonder if that's because they like throw things at him and go, are you interested? And he'll be like either yes or no about it. Or maybe it's because, Jack, we're really behind on this one. Can you help us out? Yeah. One or the other. Um, the Fantastic Four, the thing that they go do without the Torch is another commie bastard plot. So that's uh, kind of happy that we didn't have to read that. Right. Uh, yeah. I liked all this stuff where, you know, he's complaining that they left without him. And then he's kind of like, yeah, but it's – I." he's like, I, I guess I get to still be the uh, – what is it? Glenville superhero or something? Yeah. I can't remember where he lives. Yeah, Glenville. Um, and he does a bunch of stuff. Like one thing he does is he absorbs fire into himself to put out a building. I think that's the first time we've seen him like controlling external fire. Yeah, I wrote about that too. He's like a firebender now. I don't think we've seen him do that before. Yeah, it's always been his own generated stuff. But I, I just like the overall idea of like how he deals. It's kind of a little absurd how he deals with the old man, but in a good way, like a fun Superman kind of way. Like <laughs> you don't want anybody to come come bother you here. I'll put a big wall of fire around your house. And he's like, um, no, that's not going to work because I have to go to the grocery store later. And it's like, okay, then stop being a jerk. And he takes the fire back down and that doesn't make the guy happy. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just cool. Like he's kind of like the hero of this, this particular little city. And um, that's – oh, I did write down all of the um, – Oh, God. All the, the imps. evils. Yeah. Here, here's the imp of bicycles. Right. Yeah, like- okay. So <laughs> some of these are, are, are somewhat decent. Okay. But – okay. So you have hatred. Okay. That makes sense. Forgetfulness. Eh. Sleepiness. Oh, yeah. That's really evil. There's a demon that makes you sleepy. Paralysis. That is an evil that plagues mankind. Paralysis. Yeah, yeah, that seems like a stretch. Cold. Eh. Disease. Flood. Foolishness. Man, I teach eighth graders. We we got that demon in our in our class. That just makes you laugh to death, essentially, right? Is that the foolishness one? Or no? I forget exactly the scene. I just wrote it down. Yeah. Um and then there's laziness, uh-huh. flame, and fear. He gets the guy at the end because he sticks a fear demon on him. Well, the the image shows the guy holding the box open in fear, flying at the torch. But the torch snaps the box up before it could come out. Mm-hmm. And then that somehow means that the guy who was holding the box has now succumbed to the fear. I don't know. It was kind of weird. It was very, very weird, like making up the words as we go along kind of thing. But yeah. So the Pandora's box is supposed to be full of all the evils in the world. And then a lot of that just didn't seem like particularly evil, maybe inconvenient. Yeah. Right. At least, at least cover like the seven deadly sins or something. I don't know. Well, that's the thing is, I've, I've always felt like the the evils were like the evils of the human condition, right? Like the evils of our psyche, like the seven deadly sins kind of evils, right? And hate, hate works. Like it started out strong. Hate, yeah, mm-hmm. okay, that's pretty obvious. And everybody ended up trying to kill each other in the bank when he releases it. So that's cool. But half but the, the grandmas in the world get forgetfulness. Yeah, and that's not really evil. It's just sad. 
Right. And paralysis, too, isn't particularly evil. Um, no. People don't usually get paralyzed. I mean, it's not a common thing. Disease. Except for that one couple on Lost. Disease is good, I guess. Yeah, plague. Plague is, uh, uh, yeah. you know, plague and famine are classic biblical evils. And, oh, and by the way, I like when he releases laziness that the bullets slow down because bullets are subjected to laziness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, bullets yeah. care about being lazy. Unless it's Roger Rabbit, I don't see how that happens. But anyway. Um, that's all I have. Yeah, for I don't have anything else either. Okay. But I Good. will say, as we were talking about before the show, that this comic is sadly not bugging me as much as it used to. So even though we didn't have a lot to say, it's like it used to like offend me kind of. And now it's just like a read that we do, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, let's see how you like Iron Man. Tales okay. of Suspense 42. Tales of Suspense... Number 42, which is cover date of June 1963, also came out March 12th of the same year. It's called Trapped by the Red Barbarian, and it is plotted by Stan Lee, scripted by Robert Bernstein again, or Steen, I'm not sure, and art by Don Heck. So is that the first time Don Heck's done this? I don't know. No, Don Heck's done most of our issues. Kirby's done one oh, or two. Oh, okay. Don See, I'm getting confused again. Okay, so... How does this one start? Okay, this one starts with a couple of wise guys, and they're at a dock, either the east or the west dock, whichever one's, you know, bad at night. And they're talking about how the the Red Barbarian, like, hooked them up with this, you know, espionage stuff that they're going to steal right now in this big crate that's being lowered off the boat. And just when they go to open it, and I assume they think it's guns or bazookas or something like that, it turns out it's the best gun of all. It's Iron Man, and he pops open the... Or pretty much just breaks the wood, stands up, and he's like, yeah, I knew you guys were coming, thanks to a tip or something like that. And he pretty much beats them up. He uses his magnetism to, like, pull their guns and them off the ground and stuff. You know, he's Iron Man. He can beat them up pretty easily. Um, there, there is no stripper in a cake joke. There no stripper be, in a cake isn't. joke. No. Um, and then we later cut to, I think, Tony Stark at the FBI, showing the FBI, like, his new weapon or the government, or some some government agency, his new weapon, which he calls the disintegrator. And it's basically just a gun. And he points the gun to like a wall or a tank, and it disintegrates what he shoots at. And he fantasizes about how you could even attach it to a plane, and the plane could like disintegrate the entire city that you want gone, or something like that. And they're just like, wow, this is the most freaking amazing weapon we have ever seen. And he's like, yeah, but you can't have it yet, because it's not up to Stark standards. And they're just like, but... But, like, literally, as it is right now, this is the best weapon we've ever seen. <laughs> and he's like, I know, I know, but really, I need to tweak it a little bit. Trust me, guys. So he doesn't give it to them. But somehow, the spies hear about it over in the – behind the red curtain, and we get to to uh, the Red Barbarian's uh, office. And he's like this big, you know, thug-looking guy with a communist – uniform on and he's eating a big old piece of ham or something ham leg or shank or whatever and they're like red barbarian we've heard that tony stark has created the ultimate weapon and he's like oh cool get it for me and they're like uh but you know it's america we can't get in there and also iron man and stuff so he starts knocking out his dudes with the ham which is the awesomest scene in the world That's and then, my kids yeah totally how they used to do it back in the day and then uh, – but before he can like kill them, I guess, straight up murder them, this dude comes in who I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to recognize as a historical figure. But I suck at history, I guess, because I don't know who it's supposed to be. But the Red Barbarian's like, you. I can't believe it's you. And then the Nikita guy – Khrushchev. OK. Thank you. So the leader of the Soviet Union is, is a bald, white, round-faced guy. OK. I think we've seen him once before. So that's who that's supposed to be. And the Red Barbarian's all astonished that he's in his office. But then the guy says, psych, and plays with his face. And it turns out it's a dude named Actor or The Actor. And much like the chameleon, he could just change his face to whatever he wants. They don't really explain how, but he can, like, do it right in front of the Red Barbarian. So it's not even a mask or anything. He just, like, I don't know, shakes his head and he can change. Maybe it's a mutant but, power. But where did Don Blake go? Oh, he must be The Actor. <laughs> right. Um, and he says, hey, Red Barbarian, I could steal this weapon. And get rid of Iron Man for you if you pay me a lot of money. And the Red Barbarian says, yeah, I'll do that. And if you fail, I'll kill you. And he says, <laughs> deal. Job incentive. <laughs> yeah. That's like the empire, uh, you know, incentive method. So 
So the actor like changes his face 15 freaking times to get to America somehow. We'll skip over all that. And then he and some red bar- red uh, barbarian goons dressed up as security go to Tony Stark's uh, like science inventor weapon making headquarters while Tony's out. And they tell the guards there, no, no, you can go because we're here now. And because he like the actor like dresses up as a, one of the guards or some sort of military person or something like that. And so the guards just fall for it and leave. Oh, no, dresses up as Tony Stark. Duh. Of right. course. So he dresses up as Tony Stark and tells the guys you can all leave. And then they go inside. They ransack the place. They find the plans. And also while the goons aren't looking, the actor finds out that Tony Stark is Iron Man. And so he decides to keep that to himself as like, you know, insurance policy for later maybe. Um, and then they leave. Oh, no, he leaves. The actor leaves to go back to the Red Barbarian with the plans. And he leaves the goons behind and tells them, you know, when the real Tony shows up, just kill him. So Tony shows up and they try and kill him, but they mostly just shoot at his chest where his, you know, unbeknownst to them, his iron uh, chest plate is under his suit. So it just bounces off and he manages to turn the lights off and then quickly change because I guess he could change really, really fast. And he's now Iron Man and they go, hey, where'd Tony Stark go? And he goes... Good thing he had to run away and call me, wink, wink, or something like that. And he beats him up because it's just two dudes. And he finds out, or like, I think he, oh, yeah, he threatens them. He shakes them and stuff. And they say, no, no, hey, the actor stole your stuff. Don't kill us. So he's like, I got to get to that country before the actor delivers what he stole. So he asks the military to help him. And they, like, shoot him there in a rocket. Um, So that's way faster than a plane, I guess. And he gets there just in time to, like, intercept the actor in his Jeep Knocks it over as Iron Man, uh, puts a thing around his mouth and like locks him in like this little closet or something and says, you stay there for now. Then he goes to the Red Barbarian and he comes in as Iron Man and the Red Barbarian's like, oh, no, it's Iron Man. He's about to kill him. But he says, no, no, I'm not Iron Man. I'm the actor. I'm just dressed like Iron Man. And the Red Barbarian's like, wow, you are really good. And he's like, right? And he says, here's the plans. It's in this case. But the case has a time lock on it. You have to wait four hours. Can you do that? He's like, sure. What's four more hours to have the ultimate weapon? And so Iron Man's like, yeah, good idea. And he leaves. And then he releases the actor. And the actor goes back to the Red Barbarian and says, hey, hey, I know I failed at the whole plans thing, but I have a secret I have to tell you. And the Red Barbarian's like, what? You were just here. You told me you were Iron Man. No, I wasn't. So then the Red Barbarian gets mad and like has his people kill him. And we see Iron Man fly away. And then I feel like there's a panel that's missing where, like, the suitcase explodes and everybody dies or something. But that doesn't happen. Iron Man took it with him. He's like, yeah, this, this, this is open in four hours, so I'll hold on to it. And so I'm then go why change. did he go there? Why did he go there? Why did he go to the Red Barbarian at all? Why not just take the suitcase and go home? To mess over the actor. Is that it? I think that's it. I think his only oh. reason for going there is to mess up the actor's life. See, I read it like... The suitcase was fake and in four hours something bad was going to happen. But I guess whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I guess theoretically if he didn't go back there, the actor could go and say, hey, I'm still working. I'm getting this done. If he goes over and says, hey, I got the plans for you. They'll be open in four hours. See you, you know, after dinner. Uh-huh. Um, then takes the plans with him. Then the actor get then the, the red barbarian gets mad at the actor for withholding the plans. Yeah, he creates confusion. Okay. It, it, it yeah, is kind of a, it weird, a weird move. One. Yeah, yeah. I guess I didn't pick up on all that. It was okay till that last page, and then it just seems like it wrapped up real fast or something. I don't it know. It did wrap up very quickly, and there's there's no inner monologue from Iron Man hardly through any of this to see why he's doing these things. Or how he even knows um, about the actor. Yeah. Or that the actor can change shape. So I opened this up, and I was like, oh, we've already done Aliens. I know. Let's do Call Me Bastard. <laughs> right? That was the conversation in the bullpen uh, on Tuesday. Yeah, I, I'm just like, I saw it on the cover, and it's just like, oh, no, another one of those. Yeah. Although he yeah. has done, that, that was his origin, so. Right. Um, I would, and honestly, I would rather have Iron Man as the defender of democracy than Thor as the defender of democracy. Yes, I feel absolutely. Like, you know, it just kind of suits him. We'll talk more about that next episode, maybe. Mm-hmm. How long was Iron Man in that box at the beginning <laughs> of the story? He really likes the drama, doesn't he? Like, was that even necessary? He's just, like, hanging out in this box in this pretend weapons shipment just in case it gets hijacked. We hear it's going to get hijacked. Oh, I know. I'll just hang out inside of it and catch the guys. Yeah. It's just a rumor, Iron Man. Oh, I know. But I'll be there. 
and I'll be waiting. <laughs> it is very dramatic, though. Like, you know, visually, anyway. No, it's it's a fun story beat. It's just it's one of those like if you think about it. Yeah, like the like the you know issue uh, issue number uh, 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 forty one and a half isn't so exciting because he's just sitting there in a in a box for <laughs> for twelve page, thirteen pages. And he's he's like browsing the the entire time, which is why his suit low goes oh, low on power. Yeah, that's true. At least he's one, entertaining. One five minute fight, and his suit's low on power. I guess. You know. Oh yeah, that's true, huh? And he swings away, which is very un-Iron Manny. But anyway, and I was thinking during this, you know, he's always talking about how heavy and power draining his suit is. Uh huh. And we've talked about how this suit is kind of like the really huge ass suit from the first Iron Man film, just plated in gold. Uh huh. But he carries it in an attaché case. And he calls it his Iron Man garb. Or I think earlier or later he calls it like clothing or something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's not really like that movie, uh, I guess. Yeah, well, it, it's weird because like in the first issue, it's like the ponderous footsteps of Iron uh-huh. Man. Yeah. And after he discards this suit... He's all about the new sleeker model and how clump heavy and cumbersome the other one was. But while we're in this suit, it doesn't really feel like it's that heavy and cumbersome. It seems like they're just backtracking on that idea because they don't like the thought of having to have him equip himself for 12 pages. Right. Um, I thought that this weapon was absolutely horrifying. Oh, God, yes. And I wondered if it only was for inanimate objects because he doesn't really say that. Or does he? You know, he doesn't say that. And there's this fantasy of the plane, like, destroying a trial. You can easily see that if the ray were enlarged in a split second, it could wipe out a fleet of enemy battleships or even a great metropolis. Right? And so does that include people? Because that's really, really dangerous. Yeah, it's it's a flashlight. Mm. It's a flashlight that kills everything and destroys it, disintegrates it from existence. Yeah. So that's great for our garbage, but uh, not people. I want to know if there's one listener out there who's going to get this Wheel of Time reference, but it's like he made Balefire. <laughs> well, I didn't get the reference, but yeah. Sometimes phone rings during a podcast. But it's not an important number, so we're just going to keep on going. Okay. Okay, so... Um, so we can't we can't fly by this whole ham scene, because that was probably my favorite part of the issue. <laughs> he gets the red guardian red barber i keep wanting to call him red guardian which isn't fair to the red guardian it's the red barbarian he's got this big ham hawk and he gets mad at his guy for telling him that he that guy is not powerful enough to stop iron man which is you know a fair point and the dude tosses the thing across the room hits him in the head and there's this panel of the dude just unconscious with star roger rabbit stars like right coming out of his face and the ham just sitting there next to his head it's just the most adorable scene ever and then the other guy, he slushies him. <laughs> right. So you got to watch out for the Red Barbarian because if you cross him, he will slushy you if he doesn't brain you with a mutton chop. Um, God, why does why do people work for these kind of guys? I've always wondered that. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's military, so I guess you're just assigned to it. But there's no, there can't be any loyalty there. No, no. It's just the loyalty of, you know. Fear. The fact that you're forced to. It's the it's yeah. it's it's military service. Yeah. Um. On page seven, they talk about how they're going to get uh, Tony Stark, and then they're like, oh, and also we'll get Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And I had to do a double take on why they were talking about Iron Man and Tony Stark separately. I guess my brain is mm-hmm. used to them being known as the same person in the movies. Right. Yeah, yeah. But that's not going to happen in the comics for a heck of a long time. Right. It sure would be easier. But yeah, we're going to have a lot of bodyguard stuff for a while. Has he? He hasn't called it a bodyguard yet, has he? No, not no. yet. So that probably happens in a long time from now, too. Uh, it's, it's actually not that long. Uh, mm. it's, it's definitely during this suspense run. Okay. Uh, around, around the early, at least by the early Happy Hogan Pepper issues, if not before then. Um, There's all this business with the actor, like, showing off his different faces to get to America or whatever. Because he's the chameleon, yeah. And it's just like, part of me, that's when my eyes start glazing over a little bit and I just want to, like, skim through it because, yeah, I get it. He can do all this stuff. But then another part of me is like, the internet has just ruined my attention span. And this is actually good stuff that they should be throwing in into characters to like get us into them. It probably is worth having in there because it shows you what he can do. Yeah. Um, if they hadn't killed him at the end of the story, I kind of wish they had <laughs> conserved characters and done the chameleon for this. Because oh, that would have been cool. Yeah, that would have been much better. 
And the I, chameleon is Russian. Like it gets revealed decades later that he's actually Russian. He wasn't just working for the Soviets in that issue. He actually is Russian. Well, and even if he's not, he's clearly established that he's willing to work for money. So this guy, right. just, just like the actor, right, right. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know the actor's nationality. He's just a guy who wants money. Did you think that his, his conclusions about Iron Man and Tony Stark were a leap in logic? He's going through the drawers. They're rifling through the drawers, trying to find important stuff in the office. He sees some metal spare parts gleaming gold, recognizes them as units of Iron Man's costume. He's like, huh, if Tony Stark has bits of Iron Man's costume in his dresser, in his like filing cabinet, he must be Iron Man. Well, I can't admit that I did think that when I was reading it, but the way you say that, it kind of makes me do think that, uh, you know, Anthony Stark is a weapons inventor. So, mm-hmm. yeah, why couldn't he just have parts? Maybe he supply. Maybe the logic leap should have been that he invent he equips Iron Man with his stuff instead of him just being Iron Man. Yeah, which I think is exactly what becomes the story later. Mm-hmm. That Tony Stark. Uh, Created provides the Iron Man with his with his weapons, and Iron Man in turn provides Tony Stark with security. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So that would have been a more logical leap, I guess. It's like a symbiote relationship. <laughs> and that's about all I had for this. I mean, the ending with a double cross, I thought was kind of fun. Like you said, it doesn't really explain why Tony Stark decided to make the actor's life crap, but I I thought it was a nice little bit of back and forth. It was. There's this one Shakespearean play called The Comedy of Errors with a mistaken idea, where mistaken identity is kind of like the entire plot of the play. Mm-hmm. And um, this kind of reminded me of that. So as far as commie bastard stories go, I actually kind of liked this one. Oh, yeah. It's not the worst we've read for sure. Because, um, you know, he's knocking people out with ham. So at least that's interesting. <laughs> um, I kind of just wish, I don't know. I guess my brain just went right to like, this suitcase is going to blow up and I never not thought that and so i kept wishing for that to happen but otherwise yeah it is cool that you know he really like beats the heck out of the actor uh before just having him gunned down which is pretty cruel yeah Yeah, and then the last panel is just like iron man flying away silently so haha i made that happen well we only have two more issues and then we're gonna have uh happy hogan and pepper Potts join the cast oh fun they come along in 45, so we've so, got 43 and 44 without them. So we can get more sexism into our into our conversation? <laughs> I, I honestly don't remember a whole heck of a lot of sexism with Pepper Potts. Just a lot of unrequited crushes. Okay. Well, that's kind of sexism, but yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a common trope, I guess. Unless unless the unrequited love is Tony's, but I bet, it not, I bet it's not. Um, I think at some point it might be. Yeah, I think at some point he actually does start to like Pepper after she's already like really gotten involved with Happy. I mean, I think that's way down the road, but I think that happens. Hmm. And that's why in the 70s, that's why he starts pursuing other women. Sure, that's why. Because he can't get Pepper. All right. Any other thoughts on Suspense 42? Yes. Let's talk about Fantastic Four number 15. The Fantastic Four 15. With a yellow cover. Were you you feeling bad about the yellow again? No. I... This, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's a great cover, but I like the awesome android. So that kind of was exciting to see him on there. Yeah, the cover has the Fantastic Four being uh, attacked by four guys with, like, smoke guns. Mm-hmm. Like, assault rifle smoke guns. Yeah, and I guess that yellow is supposed to be a wall because it looks like it's torn through or something. Yeah, there's a torn through wall that leads right out to the street behind them. And off to the side, this dude's, like, sitting on a bench. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thinking thinking and there's a big clay brick-headed dude next to him with his arms folded like overseeing everything and giving his silent approval boy you know if the thinker on this cover just used his other hand to touch his face he could literally be the thinker (laughs) oh well they missed that oh well oh well all right so this features the mad thinker and his awesome android it's a book-length saga i guess because there are no parts i mean the last issue didn't have parts but it had part one on the front oh I totally forgot to say or ask, are we getting into splash page openers now? Or did that already start happening? This definitely is a splash page opener. No, but so was Strange Tales and Tales of Suspense. And I guess last week too, because I'm looking now. Yeah, they somewhere along the way, I'm going back farther now, farther. Okay, I guess I'm just not very observant. Yeah, starting with Tales of Suspense 41, we start getting these like opening full page Here's what's going to happen in this story 
thing. Oh, you're right. They, I hadn't even thought about that aspect of the comic structures. They have been doing first pages as like large panel story openings. Uh-huh, like they did in the but, Golden Age, essentially. But not just splash pages. Okay, I know Amazing Spider-Man 2 had a splash page. But not even just um, splash pages, but a splash page that foreshadows what you're going to right, read. Right, 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 right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and in Amazing Spider-Man 1, the second issue, or the second story, had a chameleon. It's like the chameleon like towering over the buildings and everything. Uh-huh. I'm trying to remember the first page. Oh, it's... Of- uh, yeah, Spider-Man 1 kind of does too, mostly. I mean, it's it's part of the story, but... If it's part of the story, it's part of the story. No, um, it's not. It actually has everybody pointing at him saying, Freak, Public Menace. So, yeah, they did it there too. Yeah. Okay, so I... Yeah, we can go back to 1962 and they started doing this, because Tales of Suspense 39 also has an Iron Man pinup. So um, you're watching for it, but then you missed it. Yeah. Oh, well. Anyway, Fantastic Four also has this. Lee and Kirby, Ayers and Simic... Um, are our crew and um all right so fantastic four signal goes up everyone has to stop what they're doing and and respond like johnny's on a date um sue's getting her hair done uh the thing is fighting with the yancey street gang because they're making fun of him so he throws a tank at him or something like that i forget um (laughs) tank yeah this little tank lying around routine and they go to Reed, and Reed's like, yeah, something bad's going to happen. <laughs> and they're like, what is it? He's like, I don't know, but it's going to be bad. And like, we had to stop our life to come answer the summons, Reed. And he's like, I had to stop my life, too. I was sciencing in the science closet, you know? And I had all this science, and I was going to make new... I, I made a new life form in this bottle. I, I mention that specifically because it's going to feed into the story later. Um and yet he doesn't actually give any resolution to the summons. He literally summoned them because I have a bad feeling about this. And uh, yeah, so then we change scenes. Um, I think we go to the thinker is with his, I think he precisely predicts the arrival of this gang of goons and they arrive at that precise time. And he's talking to them about how precise he is with his computers <laughs> And how he can take over the world and become king of the universe. And they're like, yeah, that sounds great. Unless you forget something. And like, I don't, I never forget anything. I am the thinker. And you know what? Um, they like, you know, ask him, how can you defeat the Fantastic Four? And he's like, no, I've got all these plans. It's totally going to work. Don't even worry about it. I've already been testing my thinking powers by doing all this other stuff. Like there's this one time there's this flood. I knew it was going to happen. And um, I had a monkey save some papers from a fire and something about um, a hot dog stand, I think. I don't know. Anyways, he's like, I'm so cool. I can make all this stuff happen. And yeah. like, okay. So he's like, I've got these plans for the Fantastic Four. I'm going to send them little messages and disrupt their lives. And once they split up, we can totally, totally beat them. And so he sends these messages and um, Johnny... His cousins are coming in from out of town. This really, really tall, lanky dude and this really, really short dude. Uh, they come into town and they offer him a chance to go join the circus. And Johnny's like, huh, the circus, eh? And then the, um, Benjamin Grimm gets an uh, invitation to go be a fighter in a wrestling match. And he's like, huh, wrestling, eh? Uh, Reed Richards gets invited to do science for um, for the science team. And he's like, science, eh? And I think that Susan Storm is out just like walking around being a celebrity and like being loved by children everywhere. Whenever this car pulls up and he's like, oh my gosh, Susan Storm, you got to be in my movie. And she's like, movies, eh? And so they all go, you know, they, 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 all go back to the Baxter building. Oh, which, by the way, it's called the Baxter building. This is now first time on that. Yay. Um, they all go back to the Baxter building and they're sitting around and they're all thinking about these other things they'd rather be doing. And then like, so um, what if we just stopped Fantastic Fouring for a while and did some other stuff instead? And they're like, huh, can we do that? I mean, it's a superhero comic. Can we just like stop superheroing and go play? And they're and just Stan and Jack don't stop them. They don't walk in and say, No, 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 you can't do that. You gotta stay here, Excelsior. Um, so they leave. 
and Johnny goes to the circus and he's a human torch celebration and thing goes off and does wrestling and Susan does the, the acting and Reed does the science thing. And so the thinker has planned all this to coincide with the arrival of an asteroid that's going to hit earth and kill all life. And that's how the dinosaurs <laughs> die. But, but it doesn't really kill all life. It just like plunges into the ocean. Um, and through the commotion of that, they sneak into the Fantastic Four building. Oh, there's a power outage. There's a power outage because of the as- asteroid. They use the power outage to sneak into the Fantastic Four building because they can they get past all this, all the, all the, uh, the doodads. Um, and the thinker finds Mr. Fantastic's journal. Um, and he finds his notes on creating a life form. So he's like, ha, huh, I'm going to do this. And I'm the thinker. I can think about it all day. Meanwhile, everyone's kind of disenchanted with their new chosen life. And so they decide that they want to go back and be the Fantastic Four again. So they all leave and they become the Fantastic Four outside the Baxter building. They turn, hey, look, the Baxter building is covered in crystal. And Johnny Storm's like, crystal? Where? I love her. <laughs> um, but no. And they can't get into their own building. And I think the thinker, like makes his face appear in the crystal, kind of like Lex Luthor did to that tree one time. <laughs> his face just showed up in it and he's like, hey, Superman. Um, and he talks to the Fantastic Four and, and he tells them that, um, what do they got to do? They've got to just get to their, what is it they have to do? He tells them to come in and, and uh, you know, not die. Oh, yeah. Okay, just like, come on inside and go, go to your, so they go into the building and, of course, all the bad guys are there with, mm-hmm. like, you know, guns and they defeat the bad guys they tear the walls up to defeat the bad guys they um they can't use their elevators so they go up the just climb up the shaft with reed's stretchy ability mm-hmm. um they dodge some traps um the awesome android walks down and he can duplicate the thing's skin type and strength he can blow really hard and knock out the torch's flame he can um I forget what all, but they, they managed to defeat him. And they walk into the next room and Thinker's there. He's like, huh, I figured if he didn't beat you, you'd come in right at this second. Everything is going exactly according to plan. And um, then he tries to shoot them and he loses. Right. Because of Willie Lumpkin. Oh, that's right. Willie Lumpkin shows up at like just the perfect time to like distract him or something like that. And they, they get him. Um, and it just kind of ends. And exactly, <laughs> Reed Richards makes a joke. It's exactly four minutes after four, and the Fantastic Four have won. The end. Yeah, I didn't get exactly. I guess we could just read exactly what he says. But not knowing what we'd find when we invaded our building, I contacted Mr. Lumpkin, our postman, and told him to ring a special downstairs bell at exactly four o'clock. I had previously set up an electro- electrical circuit breaker, which rendered all of my equipment useless. When that bell is rung, as a precaution against my enemy taking over my lab. Which is exactly what Thinker had done. Thinker was attacking them with right, reads and right. science. And so then he gives Thinker a big lecture about how you can't predict the human factor or the X factor or whatever. Okay, but here's the thing with the Thinker. Yeah. The Thinker is one of those concepts that, like, on the surface level, like, at first glance, seems pretty cool. But as soon as you begin to even consider the beginning of the possibilities or ramifications of what this all means, it completely falls apart. Because how can you predict any number of random human responses? Well, exactly. Like the entire the entirety of his plan um, requires that he predict all these human things, and then the end reads like you can't predict humans. It's like, well, he did. He predicted, you know. All of you guys being recruited to these different vocations and stuff, that was all human. Except that he made that happen. Like, he sent them the invitations. Now, I'm kind of gobsmacked that they took him up on it. Like, the fact that Johnny actually wants to go join the circus. He made that happen? Where does it say he made that happen? Yeah, he sent them the invitations and orchestrated it all to happen. So he made Johnny's cousins come into town and ask him to be part of their circus? Oh, he is holding up a bunch of invitations and looking maniacal. I guess maybe he did do that. But, yeah, that doesn't even make sense. I have arranged for two men to arrive in New York at this very moment. They'll offer a job. So, or they'll do our job for us. Arranged isn't tricked, or arranged isn't Johnny's cousins are evil. 
Well, if you think about it any further than that, it doesn't make any sense. <sighs> they never really. Yeah. Okay. Well, at least that's more control because I wasn't even I wasn't even giving him that much credit. I thought he just you know knew all this stuff was going to happen some way magically. Uh, yeah, he definitely plans a lot more than predicts. But then somehow can predict exactly how long the plan will last. Yeah. Like the thing yeah. is going to get tired of this in exactly two and a half days, you know? I think he just says that to sound cool. Well, I mean, that's what happens. They all like get tired of it at the exact same moment and come back at the exact same time and their place is full of crystal. And That's true. Yeah, I don't know. So it is a little silly. It's kind of puppet mastery in that it just makes you scratch your head and go, how does this work exactly? And he's got that giant bank of computers in his room that can cover fact obvious, fact remote, fact incidental, observations, possibilities, probabilities, weather, wind velocity, tidal pulls, sunspots. And I'm thinking, okay, this is a 1963 computer. I wonder if it actually has enough computing power for MS-DOS. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he is a character that comes back because I've heard of the thinker before. Yes, the thinker is definitely a thing. I'm not sure fact, the I thinker knew he was the a Fantastic Four villain, but... The Thinker and the Puppet Master are going to team up before too oh, terribly long. God. So it's going to be like two nonsensical powers that work together? Yeah. Two terrible tastes that taste terrible together. <laughs> so that reminds me of your – in your summary, he invented life. Did that pay off anywhere? I don't even remember. Um, so he used Reed's notes on creating a life form to create the artificial oh, android. And they said it's not an animal or a vegetable or a mineral? It's a new form of life. Yeah, except, well, it's like, but yeah, it is, isn't it? I don't know. Whatever. And see, the crazy thing is, is that the next Android story makes reference to how he made him out of stealing Reed's notes. Mm -hmm. And I never remembered him stealing Reed's notes from the story and getting that idea because it's a one panel thing. But um, but it was, I was happy to find that, oh, yes, it actually does happen. I, I, I see it. Yeah, it's weird that it's he created this form of one cell life that lived for a few seconds, and that somehow gets turned into this android thing that can absorb powers and kick the Fantastic Four's booty. Good job with that writing there, Stan. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I do like the android. I've always thought he looked cool. Uh, I love the android. I love what they do with him and like more modern stuff, like making him like a quirky personality and stuff. Mm -hmm. I like the faceless, you know, just basically square head and mm -hmm. all that. And I like the way they defeated him. They got, uh, you know, Reed to immobilize him while Sue turns invisible and like tries to find the off switch. That's all fun. Um, There's something kind of a day the earth stood still about it. Mm -hmm. I know that yeah. it's not the same look, but it kind of has that feel. Yeah. Yeah. Just this big lumbering faceless thing. Right. Um, so we've talked about how Wanda, Wanda, how Janet Van Dyne, the wasp will have a million costumes at some point. Mm -hmm. um, I think the same joke holds true for uh, Susan Storm's hairstyles. <laughs> and this is like the first of many, I think, that we're going to see. Like she's getting – she's literally getting her new hairstyle on this issue. She had to get – right. she got interrupted. But like later on in the issue, she's definitely sporting a new look. Uh, a not so great look in my opinion, but still something different. It is something different. She, she doesn't need your approval. No, she doesn't. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to think of what of my notes are actually worth saying. The, it's really inconsistent what Sue's going to go do because – she was going to get put in a Broadway show, and then she ends up being in Hollywood doing a sci-fi movie. Oh, really? So that was weird. Yeah. And then on page 13, whenever Reed is doing mm -hmm. his science. Mm -hmm. I like this scene. This was fun. Yeah. He's he's going kind of he's kind of doing it his own style, crazy, using his powers. And they're like, why are you being such a spectacle? And he's like, I'm just doing my thing. And uh, he thinks, I thought this is what I wanted. I realize now that I'm just not cut out to work for anyone else. I've got to do things my own way without interference. And I'm thinking the council of scientists is going to disapprove of that. Just ask Henry Pym. AKA I'm the smartest man on the planet. Why on earth would I try and work with anybody else? Cause yeah. none of these guys are going to be able to follow me. Why would Superman work with the justice league? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it's cool because yeah, that is one visual we always have of Reed is that like he's stretching his body in 28 different ways, you know, while he works on something in his lab. Um, and, of course, these fuddy-duddy old scientists don't like that approach. Right. Um, and then, of course, the thing who could <laughs> – I love this scene, too, where the thing has to pretend that – you know, to give the, give the uh, crowd a good show, he has to pretend that this person has any chance against him. And then the guy whispers how he wants to hook up with Alicia after. So that's, that's all he needs to hear. Next thing you know, he's just spinning him like a basketball on his finger and tossing him across the room. He doesn't like faking his wrestling. Yeah. I love the thing. 
He's so fun. The thing is great. The thing is is great. He should get his own um, series. He should. Maybe about wrestling. <laughs> what is that? That that one Marvel two in one annual that actually is about him in a cosmic boxing match. Oh, really? Um, yeah. It was it, one of the issues for the seventy five greatest Marvel countdown. Well, I mean, uh, he does get a solo book about wrestling at some point. Does he get a solo book about wrestling? I really? believe that's what he does for a career because he he he. Uh, Fights like other augmented people. Oh, I didn't even know that was. Is that what happens in Marvel Two and One? I don't know or if is it's that like Two and One or if it's his own book. The Eighties, the thing. Book. Remember that D Man guy? Yeah, he came from that. I mostly know him from that one Avengers podcast promo. My favorite Avengers are oh. something something and D Man. Well, he ended up being Cap's guy for a while, but he his origins are like the thing helped him kick like a drug habit and stuff, and they were wrestlers together and all that. I dig that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I laughed at the bottom of page 15 whenever the face appears and Thinker tells them to do stuff. And then Sue says, oh, good grief. Another <laughs> another power-mad genius for us to contend with. Well, she's not wrong. She is not wrong. Me too, Susan. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> it's like we're just inviting challenge all the time, I guess. Yeah. Um, they didn't really have a problem, though. I kind of like that, too. Like, nothing really stopped them, even their own weapons. No. Uh, like the biggest, the biggest deterrent to the team was splitting them up. Yeah, and then when they go back together, just like okay, let's just go retake our home. I love the part, even though it's kind of silly and cartoonish, where they're trying to use the elevator, and then like gas gets thrown in there, mm-hmm. and Sue's like, "Ben, uh, you know, spin right around or something." What does she say? She says, uh, "Quickly, while you still can, wh- oh, wind twist Reed's him around, body up, twist, twist him, him around." And he's <laughs> like, "I thought you'd never ask." <laughs> <laughs> and he just like spins him so hard, you know, twists him so hard that when he lets go, he like turns into a fan and kind of like blows all the gas away. That's hilarious. There's that funny panel of them all getting like distorted and the, like the floating thing with a uh, baby body and uh-huh. a giant head. Yeah, yeah. Very, very Deadpool too. Yes, yes. Nice pin up. I don't think we've had a pin up in a while. It has been a while. Um, but otherwise, um, you know, I don't know. I don't remember the android having adaptation powers. Is that just like this one issue or does he always have that? Like, like Thick punches I, him and he turns rocky and stuff, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know him from a lot of stuff. I've just, I guess I've just seen him visually. Um, I wrote down a note about attachment, but I don't know where that was from. Attachment? So I don't know either. I thought maybe from Sue and Toward Reed. Did she say something? I don't know. I can't find it. I, I, I feel like there is actually, oh, at the bottom of page 18. It's not panel. Th- I wrote panel three. That's the wrong panel. Reed, I can't let you face that creature alone. If anything should happen to you. And I was like, <gasps> oh, attachment. I didn't like, notice that. Awesome. Yeah. This is one of the first legit Susan Storm liking Reed things. Uh huh. And one issue after he likes her first. Or, you so, know, maybe not yeah. first. But yeah. Yeah. And they work together and they beat the robot. And, you know, Sue saves the day. Even though she's a girl, it's awesome. Actually, yeah, Sue does a pretty good job saving the day. And um, let's see. Oh, yeah, she's hanging on Reed on the last panel of the book. Oh, she's yeah. She's hanging on his arm. Yay. So there is stuff starting to develop between them. So we're getting there. Probably by the, you know, ep- the next, maybe the next episode or the one after we'll be covering their wedding because that's how comics work. Right. That's how comics work. Yeah. Oh, but the next issue has the Ant-Man in it. Oh, does it? Yeah, I just got to the end and looked at the cover. Ant-Man is in the next issue. Finally. That's going to be good. So far, he hasn't crossed over in anything except uh, mentioned by Peter Parker. Yeah, Peter Parker mentions him. So the Fantastic Four have been in Spider-Man. And Hulk. And the Hulk has been in Fantastic yes. Four. Yeah, yeah. Um, this will be Ant-Man's first time in Fantastic Four. And nobody has mentioned Thor. And Thor has not been in anything, yeah. And at this point, Iron Man's involved. Thor and Iron Man are still, they're still not part of the shared universe. Hmm. Or at least they have not been shared into the universe yet. Or mentioned in any way. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So, um. So that's it for this month. That is it for this month, which means it is time for top and bottom picks. Dun, 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 dun. Okay. Just a quick review. We have the Sergeant Fury debut. Mm Mm-hmm. We have Journey into Mystery 92 with all the hammers. Yes. We have um, Ant-Man and the Wasp debut. We have Fantastic Four number 15, which we just covered with the pup, uh, 
Thinker and the Android. Um, Tales of Suspense with the Red Barbarian and Strange Tales 109 with the Pandora's Box. All right. Least favorite is not going to be the one with all the hammers, even though that was super stupid. But I didn't have any expectations of it either. What disappointed me most this month was Tales to Astonish number 44. Oh. Because Don Heck and Stanley have been doing some pretty awesome Ant-Man for me the last couple issues. And then all of a sudden Kirby comes in to introduce Wasp. And it's kind of a lame story. And she doesn't do anything in it except pine over Hank. And yeah, mm-hmm. it just left me really cold. So that's my least favorite. Wow. I know that's kind of harsh, but they, they did me wrong. So that's what they get. No, it, it is a little bit of a disappointing story. And yeah. Like, I don't think it's a worse um, story than Thor, honestly. I don't think it's worse. Thor was just really bad, but I wasn't, like, looking forward to it either. So who cares if it was a bad story? I knew Thor was pretty bad. Thor was really bad, but uh, not disappointing, I think just bad. I I am going to choose Thor. Okay, that's fair. Because um, it was it was bad. And then for my favorite. So most enjoyed. Favorite, I'm going to go Sergeant Fury, our new kid on the block. All right. Um, it was just an all-around good story. It was a lot of fun. I don't know if they're all going to be like that or if it's going to get you know monotonous reading about war eventually. But right now it was interesting. Um, and even though I did enjoy the Fantastic Four also, I think the Thinker was sort of a bummer of a villain that we've already seen. Yeah, the Fantastic Four story had some good moments. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Overall, it's not that great of a story. It's not that great of a villain. And... Um, I am also going to choose Sergeant Fury as my most enjoyed. Yay. Um, I feel like the Fantastic Four and Sergeant Fury were the two, you know, at least decent comics. Uh-huh. Strange Tales and Thor, to me, are at the bottom, whereas Iron Man and the Wasp were kind of middling. Yeah, Iron Man was okay. But yeah, another comedy story, blah, blah, blah. We, we've seen it before. And it ended weird for me. So. Yeah. So Sergeant Fury right. wins. For both of us, that's Sergeant cool. Fury wins. Okay, now where are we on the recording? We are We are perfect. at 104, and we had a little bit of top of recording, so we're probably right at one hour. That's crazy. And we still have to tell you where to find us and stuff, and you probably have to thank people, maybe. Or do you? I don't know. Don't yeah. want to put you on the spot. Uh, um, I will probably thank people next episode. Okay, well, I'll still tell you where to find us, which is at makearsmarvel.com which is our website where we post all our new episodes. You can see the show notes, which basically mean the show pictures that I throw on there. Uh, I usually try and post pictures of what we actually talk about in case you're not reading along directly. Uh, You can also find links to our social media, Facebook, Google Plus, Twitter, and YouTube. And then, of course, most importantly, you'll find all the various feed options like iTunes, of course, and Google Play and Android, and just a generic RSS feed if those three don't make you happy. Uh, Lastly, if you could please send us a message to podcast at makeoursmarvel.com or use the form on the site. Or if you don't want to send us a message, leaving us some reviews either on Facebook or on iTunes, that'd be also very much appreciated. Yeah, that's about everything. All Mm -hmm. right, so... um I guess that wraps up this episode. And until Ed Brubaker decides, you know who I'm going to put against Captain America? I think it's time for Captain America to go up against the Red Barbarian. Make ours Marvel. Coming September 1st. Image Comics. Formed in 1992 by several creators unhappy with their current place in the industry. So they band together to make a new comics company for a new generation of readers. Creator-owned mutants, cops, black ops government agents, demon-possessed, and they are going to be the greatest comics ever. In April of 1992, the first issues hit the stands, and fandom resounded with cries of... Pouches? Why are there so many pouches? What? You don't like pouches? All the Pouches, an Image Comics podcast, is one fan's exploration of those early years of Image Comics. Youngblood, The Savage Dragon, Spawn, 
and more, with maybe even a few pouches along the way. So come give a listen at johnreadscomics.com. That's John with no H. Just you can spell it right.